Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I, that's my big takeaway coming out of this, Nick. It's just like they figured it out against Belichick, and now it's on him. It's not on the Bills anymore, right? We've always like it's that Brady, the old Brady thing. It's all the years of futility, all the years of losing to the Patriots. I think when people, Bills fans especially, they they have this thing with the Patriots, and this it's like this mystique going to Foxborough, and I think the mystique is gone. I think it's now on Belichick to respond to the Bills, and he hasn't been able to do it. There was a time when opposing teams, coaches, players, quarterbacks would fear going to Foxborough to face Bill Belichick in his defense, especially in a primetime spot. But those days are now done, and the Bills have proven it. We're going to tell you why here coming up in just a little bit. But first and foremost, it's the Bills Wire podcast. Welcome to the show, a, uh, a Friday edition of the Bills Wire pod. As we're talking after the Bills Patriots games, we'll do a little bit of game breakdown here. Ryan O'Leary joined by my friend Nick Woten. Nick is the managing editor of USA Today's Bills Wire. Nick, how you doing? How'd you feel about that Bills victory in Foxborough on Thursday night? Yeah, it was a pretty good one, Ryan. Uh, glad to be joining you on a Friday edition Likewise. here. Yeah, this is fun. Um, big, big change up for us. You know, we're just a uh, couple of versatile podcasters, you know. The best avail- ability is availability, and here we are. Post-game so, style. Um, I like this. So. Yeah, yeah, calling out a little Sean McDermott, Sean McDermottism on you to start your Friday. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was a game where um, it was—I didn't even seem as close as it was. Technically, they were two scores ahead, but it felt like they were Agreed. four or five scores ahead. Totally for most agree of the game, with that, if, if not all of it, right? So yeah, it, uh, it it was it was kind of something that we're getting a little accustomed to, and the Bills are. Uh, Going up to New England, um, you know, it's, I tip my hat to the Patriots for last year. You know, I mean, okay, you know, a lot of people are talking smack on the Patriots last year where they only beat the Bills because the the wind gusts, you know. Well, you know, everyone knew it was coming and the Bills didn't stop it. So credit to the Patriots for getting it done that day. And, uh, yeah, but other than that, it just is starting to feel like, you know, and the Bills visit Gillette, maybe they just turn up an extra gear. Cause I, think, uh, I think this team is pretty in tune with the fan base with the city of Buffalo, Western New York, and just know how much it means to them every single time that they go and they hand Bill Belichick a loss. And it's becoming a, a theme now, hating Belichick a loss. And there is just this mystique with the Patriots and Belichick and playing in Foxborough and that thing. And that's why I was not surprised, Nick, when the line, uh, the betting line moved from five points, it moved all the way down to three and a half. And immediately I texted you and said, well, and, and I am a Patriots fan. But I was like, oh, I got to bet the bills now. It's three and a half. You know, I just like that's too good of a price. Like, the mystique is gone. The mystique left with Brady. Uh, the real the mystique where you go into Foxborough on a night game on prime time and and you have to play your best game to win. That that's kind of over, Nick. I think that's kind of overrated, especially in the sports betting world. So that's just that's just a, a feeling I have. But when it comes to the Bills against Belichick, Sean McDermott, Josh Allen against Belichick. I think it's official. I think the Bills have figured it out. I think the Bills have figured this thing out, right? Like typically, when you look at the Bills' team stats, they average four point nine yards per play. You'd probably say, okay, that's probably a rough, rough day for Josh Allen in the offense, right? But if Bill Belichick's plan, which was kind of obvious in this one, right, 
give the Bills space short to intermediate, take away the big plays, and then hope to shut them down in the red zone where Josh Allen has struggled this year. That's kind of what it seemed like the Patriots are trying to do, keep the game close as well, as you mentioned. I think the Patriots were trying to keep it close with how they were playing conservatively on offense as well. Uh, that just meant the Bills had to go on these chunky, methodical, patient drives, and I think Belichick thinks Josh Allen's not going to be accurate or patient enough or whatever, Nick. And it's just, it's not working out in Belichick's favor. I mean, the Bills are proving they can do this, right? Their opening field goal drive, nine plays, 37 yards. Their second drive, which was the, their first touchdown, nine plays, 82 yards. Then they had another f- field goal drive in the first half, 14 plays, 56 yards. And they only scored once in the second half. That was a 15-play drive. So when you add up the four scoring drives the Bills had in this game, they averaged 11 to 12 plays per drive, right? Belichick said, be methodical, be accurate, don't make mistakes, Josh Allen. And the Bills said, okay, fine, we'll do that. We're fine averaging 4.9 yards per play, right? So I, that's my big takeaway coming out of this, Nick. It's just like they figured it out against Belichick, and now it's on him. It's not on the Bills anymore, right? We've always, like, it's the, Brady, the old Brady thing. It's all the years of futility, all the years of losing to the Patriots. I think when people, Bills fans especially, they, they have this thing with the Patriots, and this, it's like this mystique going to Foxborough, and I think the mystique is gone. I think it's now on Belichick to respond to the Bills, and he hasn't been able to do it. No, it's a fair point, Ryan. Um, I think that uh, that luster, I think, is, is certainly at least for people in in Western New York of going to Gillette Stadium has uh, worn off a little bit. So much so that um, you know Josh Allen gave a little bit of a Gillette troll to uh, to Patriots fans last night. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, he kind of he kind of said that he knew what he was doing when he became a Gillette sponsor or, or or you know oh yeah i saw yeah the raise the him shaving on the commercials yeah 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 go on yeah yeah which is kind of funny though because it's it almost reminded me of like uh for the hockey fans out there if like Sidney crosby was to do like a shaving you know commercial like he's never been known for his playoff beard you know sure, yeah. <laughs> there's josh allen but somehow he got a shaving you know uh ad spot and good for him god bless him but uh you know, uh, I think that it, it got to that point a little bit where even Josh Allen's fine with trolling and not even, uh, you know, he's not not worrying about the curse of Gillette. But, uh, yeah, to your point on the field there, Ryan, I think that, um, you know, the Bills deserve credit for sure. And I think almost the Bills just, uh, it's it's cliche, but they certainly at least out-executed out uh, the Patriots in a lot of regards in this Definitely. game. And, and Josh Allen, you know, he did have that crazy touchdown pass. You know, he, he did get a little little bit of a Josh Allen spice out there. Um, thought he was going out of bounds. And all of a sudden, you know, it's it's just a play that no one else is probably going to make because there appeared to be three guys in front of Gabe Davis. And somehow he caught that pass. And, and, and I, I think just in terms of the out-executing, Ryan, just the – the the way the Bills ran the ball was was pretty impressive yesterday. It turned out that they, uh, I think technically they ran the ball. I think um, I think it was thirty seven times to thirty four passes or whatever. But um, I, I heard someone ask the question, form the question in that way. But I think they forgot to um, slash a couple of kneel downs out of there because when I was typing it up, it was pretty even split. The Bills thirty, I think it was thirty four rushes and thirty three passes or something. So almost right down the middle. And the Bills are not known for doing that. The Patriots don't exactly have a bad defense or anything like that. But I think just that ability to kind of keep the other team on their toes and keep them honest. I think the Bills are kind of starting to see that that will that there's a formula there that even you had Stefan Diggs after the game going, you know, well that's going to help the pass game and you know that's going to keep him happy. He got his own touchdown last night and uh yeah. It was just a uh, just a, a positive um, positive game plan all around. This balance attack the Bills have is, is really good, 
Um, I think, too, is it's just playing into the hand that they're dealt right now. Um, you know, a couple injuries along the offensive line, which I know we're going to get to, but um, you've always heard, and, and I'm not, I've never played, I know this is going to be shocking, but I've never played offensive line in the NFL. Um, so, but what you generally hear from offensive linemen is it's easier to run block than it is to pass block. I mean, and just thinking of it as a human being, it's easier to run at your target and be in control of the scenario as it is to going back on your heels, right? So I think the Bills are almost playing to their strength in that aspect of, you know, they're playing pretty good run blocking. So just, you know, give yourself some more manageable situations. And we saw a couple losses too, that the bills had maybe against the Vikings. Was it uh, one of the losses they had? I know. I think it was one of the divisional games, but they kept getting themselves in these, you know, second and long third and long situations. And Josh Allen is great, but those aren't manageable all the time. And that's not a balanced attack. And yeah, just the, the balanced attack of, you know, Hey, we're going to take these short to intermediate routes that Belichick's going to give us. And we're also at the same time going to keep running the ball. I mean, it was, it really was, um, if you're looking for a true blue, you know, football guy response, I mean, that was, that was chef's kiss of a, of a offensive game plan for the bills. It was great. Yeah. And, and again, Belichick is, is making you execute, right? He's saying, I'm going to put the pressure on Josh Allen to execute. And he goes 22 of tw- uh, 33 passing. The Bills get into 15 third downs of the game. They go nine for 15. So the, the Patriots are putting the Bills, uh, try to put them in positions where they had to execute and be accurate and make those plays. Uh, they did it. They did it. And they continue to do it against the Patriots. So, uh, yeah, Nick, I, I think that was my big conclusion here is I know you picked uh, earlier on in the season, you picked the Bills to uh, drop this one against the Patriots because I think you still you still can't help yourself, right? You believe in that Belichick Foxborough mystique, right? And I think we I we have to officially retire that. Me as a Patriots fan, I have to tell you, you have to retire the mystique pick and just pick the Bills to beat the Patriots until further notice. All right, that that's Fair a enough. new ruling for me. I'm, <laughs> uh, the ju- the court's in session. That's a new ruling. Uh, yeah. So another thing that I th- found interesting in terms of the the Bills' offensive attack was, you know, I think in the fr- first couple meetings, uh, recent meetings where, where the Bills have beat the Patriots, we really saw Allen attack the weaker links of the Patriots' defense, right? Slot corner, Miles Bryant with Isaiah McKenzie. We saw them. He, they went to that last night, uh, Thursday night, a few times, but but not as often, right? Really, this one is like, no, we're going to go to Stephon Diggs against your best quarter, which was Jonathan Jones, and that's where they went for it, right? Like, the, the Bills averaged less than five yards per play, but uh, Stephon Diggs averaged 13.1 yards per reception, and he had seven of them. So when they needed a play, they still went to their best guy against the Patriots' best guy, and they went there when they needed it, right, Nick? So that was another thing, too. Like, as much as, like, we can say, oh, what a chess match between McDermott and Belichick, not really. When the Bills needed a play, they just went to their best guy against the Patriots' best guy, and the Bills' best guy kept winning. Yeah, which that was very interesting, too, because that's kind of, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, that's been Belichick's, you know, I, I mean, he'll take away the big plays, yes, but... And part of that has always been uh, taking away the best option, right? Taking away your best playmaker, making other players step up. Because I don't know what, where the the plan was against Stephon Diggs, but he still did pretty the, pretty damn well. Same plan so, they did against Justin Jefferson the week uh, the week prior. I think Nick, when they got shredded by Jefferson, they're just not handling these really good wide receiver ones. The Patriots aren't, and that's a problem for them. Yeah, no, I mean, fair enough. I, I mean, you know, the, the past they've had, you know, better. I guess better lockdown guys, right? I mean, J.C. Jackson's not having the not having the uh, you know star-studded Los Angeles debut this year, but you know he's pretty good for the Patriots. You know, same can be said for our old friend Stephon Gilmore, and, and I guess you know, I guess Stephon Diggs is a little bit too much for him, like he is for 
you know, kind of everyone. Yeah, he's he's the man. And uh, there were some things that we can nitpick with the Bills. This, now, but it's also working in their favor that I don't think they played their best game, Nick, right? They didn't. Uh, they, this wasn't like the best game of the season for Buffalo by any means, even though they won it going away. Uh, there was some things that stood out. Uh <laughs> The offensive line play, as you mentioned, the the tackle play, in spe- you know specifically, is a disaster with like with key guys like Deion Dawkins out and stuff. We'll talk about that, but uh, I thought the play that the Patriots did hit. Now they're the Patriots' leading receiver. Now the Bills' leading receiver, Stephon Diggs. The Patriots' leading receiver, cornerback Marcus Jones. Uh, so and yeah, I thought uh, Amazon Prime with the broadcast did a pretty good job trolling the Patriots when they said uh, your stat leaders are is they put CB. Marcus Jones wasn't like wide receiver or anything. No, he is a defensive player who is also a punt returner and never plays offense. And yet the Patriots hit a touchdown in the first half to Marcus Jones, putting him on the field. And I thought that was kind of hilarious. And I thought it was a great, you know, while everybody was praising Belichick, oh, what the brilliance of Belichick, he really fooled the Bills. It's like, wow, I think the Bills got to look at themselves at a, in a critical light, right? McDermott, when he has the film turned on with the guys, Nick, and even himself, him and the coaches, they have to look at that and say, when we see a player like Marcus Jones, who does not play offense, trot onto the field into the huddle, shouldn't there be some type of alert or timeout or you know something's coming? You know, like they're going to, they're, it's not a decoy or anything. He never plays offense. When he goes on the field, they're, they're scheming something up for you. They're going to try a trick play for you. And the Bills let the Patriots throw the ball like behind the line of scrimmage to Marcus Jones and let him run up the field and score. I mean, that was like, Wow, I mean, I know Belichick's getting like overly praised for the brilliance of that play, but really it wasn't that amazing of a play. And shouldn't that be an alert for the Bills? Like, ooh, something's coming here. This kid is not an offensive player, 25. Marcus Jones, like alert, alert, you know what I mean? So I look at the Bills and say, as much as that was a nice play and, and call by the Patriots and they got the Bills in that one, hopefully they learned from that, Nick, because you can't let stuff like that happen. That was way too easy of a score for the Patriots. And I thought the bills should have at least seen something coming with Marcus Jones when he was on the field. No, it's a certainly a fair point. Um, you know, it, it kind of puts, it kind of sheds light on, I guess, both, both sides of the coin, if you will. And the bad side. Yes, you're right. I, I I'm rewatching the play right now as we're talking. And, and I just don't know why they were, you know, the bills just seemed to not realize that he was out there. I don't know if yes. they don't know who maybe they just thought 25 was, you know, I don't know. Just, I don't know what was going on there, but I mean, they had a guy on him here. It's not like he was wide open. It looked like the bills tried to go in and blitz, but the, this highlights the issue. The bills, they, they have, if they have one problem sometimes in their secondary, and this is, I think a big part of Micah Hyde not being out there because I'm watching Jordan Poyer trying to come across the other side of the field right now and tackle him. And he's just, you know, Marcus Poyer, Jones can you know, fly for getting that close because he's <laughs> yeah. probably 25 yards away. But um, the tackling, the Bills miss tackling, bad reads on tackles yep. sometimes. That is an issue. The Bills, it's a, it's something that teams can exploit against them for sure. Um, it looked like Taron Johnson went in on a, a corner blitz, but you know he's just doing his job. But he didn't. Even if you are going in a corner blitz, you know maybe you can you know read the quarterback, do something a little bit better. Of course, this is Monday morning quarterback talking. Again, it's the big missed tackles, the bad angles the Bills will occasionally take uh, against receivers. It does get exploited, especially against good teams. You know, I mean, the Patriots, their bread and butter is certainly their defense, and it's not quite their uh, their offense at this point. I guess we'll say that's led by Matt Patricia. But if I'm going to highlight the positives, Mac Jones, 22 for 36, 195 yards, 
one Pretty play. much that was 25% yeah. of his right it was one yardage, play which is that play, uh that 48 yards so the bills are pretty good after that but yeah and that one play you know better teams they're going to exploit stuff like that you know uh, you never know with the the chiefs say nowadays before it was all right they're going to Tariq Hill or travis kelsey but you know you got uh so many different kind of options that are trying to fill in fill those shoes for Tariq Hill that you you got to be on top of those things so yeah there's good and bad of that play I definitely uh definitely agree with you there and it's it's it comes down to the missed tackling for me because some bad angles there and um yeah uh it's it's going to be interesting to see going forward too because speaking of the secondary how that goes uh DeMar Hamlin's been having a little bit of a tough time Dean Marlowe his guy they traded for he was inactive on game day I would I wouldn't hate to see him out there but the Bills, they're they they're watching these guys day in and day out. If they feel like it's it should be Demar Hamlin, then it should be Demar Hamlin. Cornerback Kyrie, even on the first round rookie, was inactive too. He didn't play. He got his healthy scratch. He was fine. Uh, so they went with Xavier Rhodes and uh, Tre'Davious White. Great to see Tre'Davious White out there, but Definitely. Xavier Rhodes, the very interesting to see him. And then even Dane Jackson. I mean, Dane Jackson was picked on two weeks ago, and he got out there over Kyrie Elam. So maybe it's a little bit of a a little bit of a uh, you know lighting a fire under the young kid, but yeah, to now round it all in again, uh, tackling. <laughs> oh no, I think that's definitely something to watch because I think that's what Patricia and Bill Belichick identified as uh, how they were going to attack the Bills' defense. Right, they wanted to sh- play the short game, short passing game, stuff like that. Play to Marcus Jones, a lot of screens, stuff like that, and try to get the Bills in space and make them tackle. And it got to the point where they kept calling those short passes and Mac Jones flipped out and had that viral video, right? Where he said, throw the effing ball, the quick game uh, sucks, right? <laughs> and then um, dropped a bunch of more F-bombs and he had to answer for that in the post game. And that's what Mac Jones was saying. He said, throw the effing ball, meaning throw it down the field. The effing quick game sucks. That's what he said, was yelling, I guess, to Matt Patricia. But the Patriots just refused. They kept going short. So it was really the same game on both sides both teams had to kind of keep it short to intermediate the bills were way better at it than the patriots and i just think they have the patriots number at this point uh but yeah tackling definitely something to watch because bill belichick that's how he thought he was going to beat the bills in this game but you know you got to give the bills credit there was one play to marcus jones that they got screwed on and we got to bring it up and monday morning quarterback hindsight all that nick that's the best way to analyze football makes you sound a lot smarter when you do it the day after and rather than the day before you know what i mean that's where i like to live that's my world right there Love Monday morning quarterback. <laughs> uh, but uh, tell me a little bit about how the Bills fix their tackle situation. Uh, I, I did. I had to go to my, my depth chart. I'm like, who is this number 77 that keeps falling over and giving up free rushers here on the opening drive of the game, right? Uh, David Questenberry was playing left tackle. I'm like, holy crap. That's not good. He's lining up at left tackle for the Bills. We, I know Deion Dawkins is out. Tommy, Do- Tommy Doyle's on the IR. Uh, but the Bills, do they have a problem at tackle? Is that something that could potentially blow up a game down the road, Nick? Like, how do they cover for a guy like David Questenberry, who's a former six-round pick, and now in his, like, he's 32 years old out there? Uh, you know, can they count on him playing left tackle for, for long? No, probably not, right? It's at that time of the year, right, Ryan? Like, what are you, you going to do? The best thing going for the Bills right now, for being completely honest, they don't play this Sunday. They play on December 11th again. So they have that mini-bye week, as they say. Deion Dawkins, please get healthy in that time. Uh, that still doesn't kind of make up Spencer Brown's a starter on the the right side. He's kind of struggled a little bit in the options. You know, it's kind of an NFL problem, right? I mean, what teams have depth along the offensive line? Pretty much none. Uh, the best offensive lines are usually the most healthy ones. Um, the Bills, they just, you know, uh, I don't know. Quessenberry is a guy that, you know, it seems like they're going to roll with him, but 
Um, minimal credit, little credit. He did get hurt early in the game and played through it. But if he's playing hurt, then, you know, is David Questenberry that much better at 75, 70, 75% health than, you know, maybe if healthy Bobby Hart? I mean, nobody likes to hear the name Bobby Hart, you know, but um, he at least has starting experience. You got a guy, Ryan Bates, who's always touted he can play every single position. Maybe he would be an option one day. But, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it might be a situation where the Bills, um, they, they did this yesterday, and it actually did – come back to bite them um when Stefan Diggs had that touchdown called back it was because Tommy Sweeney the extra tight end was caught holding so I don't know if the extra tight end is going to be a move going forward so those are really your only options right I mean get the extra tight end over there to help or 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 yeah, I don't know figure out someone better over there but uh yeah the bills on there um I I, I will say that the bills in there their development there if you're looking for a weak point and maybe the scouting departments this you know Brandon Bean era, um, they haven't super really got it done uh, in the offensive line. I mean, they love Mitch Morse, but I mean, he, when he first signed, he was probably overpaid. Um, Deion Dawkins is pretty solid, but I mean, you, you have misses. You had, I mean, why Teller's a, almost, he's an all pro player and they let him go. They didn't see him. He didn't have it for him, but now he's an all pro at the Browns. Uh, you got Cody Ford, second round pick already gone. You know, they re-signed Ryan, Ryan Bates, um, and he just kind of looks average this year. They signed him to a four-year deal. We'll see, you know, I don't know how the, you know, the NFL, uh, Brian, you know, they signed a four-year deal, but it's really like a one-year right. deal. They can exactly. just cut him for the salary cap concerns. Um, only other option, I guess, would be Ike Bucker is coming back, but he's been a guard his whole career. He's just, just you know, designated to re- reserve, return from injured reserve. But, yeah, I mean, the Bills in their offensive line, they've gotten very lucky that they, uh, you know, that they're six foot six, six foot five quarterback that can run away from everyone that's worked out because this offensive line with like Matt Jones, not to pick on Matt Jones, but, you know, he's not Josh Allen run away, running away from people there. Although that last play of the game, he, he, he had a little, he had some wheels there. I'll give him that. No, it's pain, pain as a Patriots fan right now. I don't know if it's all on Mac Jones. It's just, it's just not good with the with Matt Patricia calling the plays and, and whatever. There's something going on there. But yeah, I digress. Look, looking from outside looking in, it just seems like that is obviously not synced it, up there. Yeah. Like not not even just, you know, Jones flipping out and not even just like the, you know, national narratives. That, that just seems like a legitimate issue there. <laughs> it's not good. They need to figure out. They need to get someone who actually, I mean, Patricia was their defensive coordinator calling the plays before, right? And yeah. and now he, now he comes back after, you know, his Detroit stint and he's freaking the offensive play caller. What is going on? Oh, you know, it's just the brilliance of Bill Belichick, Nick. What can I say? So, all right, there is more football, though. Thank God. I don't have to watch the Patriots this weekend. I can watch somebody else. Uh, and, uh, and, and actually, our friend over, Corey Bonini at TheHuddle.com, he's going to have some fantasy advice for us, and then we'll be right back. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Bonini here with TheHuddle.com to bring you strong plays for week number 13 quarterback Mike White at Minnesota Vikings. White took over for Zach Wilson last week and proved to be the right decision with 315 yards and three touchdown strikes. On the year, Minnesota ranks as the fourth weakest defense versus quarterbacks, and six managed 23-plus fantasy points against Minnesota. Five quarterbacks have thrown multiple touchdown passes versus this defense, and they've all come in the last six weeks. As the Jets look to keep pace, White likely will be asked to throw all day long in this one. Seattle Seahawks running back Kenneth Walker at Los Angeles Rams. Walker's two-touchdown showing versus the Raiders was overshadowed by a career day from Josh Jacobs. The rookie back has averaged fewer than two yards per carry in consecutive games, however. Against the Rams, running backs have averaged the eighth-fewest rushing yards per game, but the eighth-highest scoring frequency on the ground since Week 7. Don't be scared off by the name value of the Rams' defense. It's a stellar matchup for aerial success, too, which ups Walker's value value just a nudge. 
New England Patriots wide receiver Jacoby Myers versus the Buffalo Bills. Myers has no more than 62 yards in any of the last six contests, and he hasn't scored in three straight. Mr. Consistent has exactly 9.2 or 9.4 PPR points in three straight games, though. That's a pretty nice floor. Buffalo has given up huge numbers to the position of late, and we've seen seven wideouts go for double-digit PPR returns since Week 7. All but one were good for 16-plus PPR points, and this matchup is 47% better than average over the last three games. Myers should be a strong PPR wide receiver 3. Los Angeles Chargers tight end Gerald Everett versus the Las Vegas Raiders. After missing a week with a groin injury, Everett returned to catch all four of his targets, but he managed a laughable 18 total yards. He hasn't scored in six straight games, but is a pretty good play against a Raiders defense that has given up neutral stats for receptions and yardage in the last five weeks. On the year, this is a top seven matchup in PPR scoring, and Everett contributed three catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown in the week one contest. And that's the aim here. Gamble on him for a touchdown. He's a pretty decent play overall. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. One more segment for you, and, and we'll keep this one uh, quick. I just want to ask you about two players, Nick, before we get on to the weekend here. Uh, Vaughn Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. Now, let's start with Vaughn Miller. We haven't talked, got to talk about him yet. Uh, now, he's out for the foreseeable future. Uh, thankfully, he did not tear his ACL, but there was an MRI reportedly revealing a, a lateral meniscus tear. So we were worried about, you know, how long is he going to be out? He comes out on his podcast and they shared this on the broadcast, which is kind of fun. Uh, Vaughn Miller says on his podcast, yeah, you know, I'm I'm injured, but it's not a season ender. I'll probably probably be back for that Jets game. Right. So he's like, I'll be back after the mini buy. And then Brandon Beans and, and Bills are like, yeah, you know, maybe not so so fast there, big fella. And they put them they put him on IR. So he's out for at least four games. Right. Uh, but What's your take on just losing Von Miller for the foreseeable future now, at least these four games, Nick, and how the Bills' defense is affected by losing arguably their best player on that side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, Von has certainly had his impact uh, made um, on the on the Bills' defensive line, but I think is what really helped against the Patriots. The Patriots have, have you know, not a below average uh, offensive line by any stretch, but the, they did get A.J. Panessa back. They did get um, Fred Rousseau back. They 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 did generate some decent push and in the middle of the defensive line as well was healthy. You had uh, Jordan Phillips out there. You had Ed Oliver out there uh, a lot, a lot going well, um, you know, for, uh, for the bills and their defensive line aside from Miller being hurt. So I think you saw some good things there and just everything they, we talked about last segment, segment that the Patriots schemed up. Just, I don't think really, I think everything just played into the bill's hand almost. So I will say though, on Von Miller coming back uh, first off, I think the bills are playing it right. I think, Brandon Bean, you know, um, played this right, uh, put him on IR and let this game count as it as one of the four games. That's smart. Why wait until Sunday or Monday? Wait until the, this weekend when you get that full, you know, seven to 10 days that you asked for from him. Why wait and then go, oh, crap, you know, we, we could have had him back against the Bengals in their second to last game. But no, now they will have him back for that game, which as things are lining up, could be a big one. 
Yes, the Bills, now he is going to miss the game against the Dolphins, which we all know is going to be a very big one. But I think in the long run, you know, that's still a pretty positive, you know, decision by the Bills. I think it's smart. I think it's a smart, savvy decision by Brandon Bean. I will give him that. Um, and and I'm, you know, the same age almost as Von Miller. And, you know, I get out of bed and my, like, back hurts and stuff. And I don't even run against, you know, 300-pound offensive linemen. And, you know, I also don't work out like Von Miller. But, you know, I think giving, you know, an aging player, you know, a couple weeks when really you brought him in to be the finisher, a.k.a. at the end of games and in the playoffs, get him right for then. I think it's a smart move. On the other side, Von Miller, yes, he went on his podcast so that he would be back against the Jets. <laughs> Can you imagine Sean McDermott listening to that, Nick? I mean, he must have like, oh, gosh, fainted. Uh, I know. I, I can't imagine Sean McDermott listening to anything Von Miller has really said throughout his podcasting uh, <laughs> a career thus far. And really, just anything, anytime he's asked about, like, you know, OBJ, which we'll get to and yada, yada. But uh, just anytime, Von is just very open-minded. But I'm going to bring in... Um, I'm going to bring in our, our friend, uh, John Heath. He's the, the, the Broncos wire editor. Yes, and I had it. a little exchange with him. Uh, I had a little chuckle about, you know, Von being quote unquote wrong in my own words about his injury. And I said uh, something about, I wonder what's going to happen with OBJ now, you know, with Von make being wrong about his, his own, uh, his own knee. And, then, <laughs> and John just replied, Von never lacks confidence, positive messages. <laughs> he said, Quote, Trevor Simeon is that dude. Drew Locke is the real deal. We can turn this around. All confident, positive messages from Von Miller from our friends out in Denver that he has said <laughs> over the years, which have all not come to fruition. So, you know, maybe we'll see something different later this week, which what we'll get to. But he is not in the win column in terms of his own knee. Yeah, Von is just very, very uplifting and positive, I guess, in terms of his messages, which, you know, I guess they're all trained media guys nowadays, all these players and everything, you know. Sean McDermott will talk for 45 minutes and you'll be like, he literally said nothing, you know, all these guys. But yeah, Von is always, I guess, very positive. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a day one thing for him. That's perfect. That's great insight there on him. And yeah, I think just the good news is he's not out for the year. He can return. There's no need to rush him back if he's got like a, a partially torn whatever. Uh, so uh, yeah, and, it, and you know, it looks better when you have Tremaine Edmonds and Greg Rousseau and guys like that coming back. Uh, I, I think you can you can kind of hold the ship together until until Von Miller gets back. I still think they need Miller to make a run, but him being back, Nick, healthy for the playoff run, I agree 100%. That's what matters. And now let's end it here. Odell Beckham Jr. had a very weird week, I would say, you know, uh, a very strange week. Uh, this story about him on the plane. Now, whether you uh, believe the flight attendants who said that he was, uh, you know, it seemed like he was in and out of consciousness and having some type of medical issue, or you believe uh, Beckham's camp where they said he was sleeping with a uh, blanket on his face or some, a blanket on his head, Nick, which seems very comfortable, right? Put the blanket right on your head and go to sleep. Uh, I like to sleep with a blanket on my head. I don't know about you, uh, but, uh, you know, just if you believe that and then Odell, just like whether he would, he refused to buckle the seatbelt or what they, they had to escort him off the airplane and, and deboard the plane. And it took what a two hour delay to even leave. And I would just be, if I was on that plane, how pissed would you be? Oh my God. Can you imagine around the holidays trying to travel? And you got this like I would be NFL, livid. this NFL wide receiver refusing to buckle his seatbelt or whatever's going on with Odell Beckham Jr. And they have to, you have to deboard the. Oh my God! Like travel stuff. Don't get me started. I would have lost my mind uh, on this. I would have been so upset. So uh, I just, that part of it's like I don't want him. <laughs> but I, I'm just I'm just kidding, right? Actually, I think when it comes to the Bills, I think I do want him because we mentioned earlier. 
the struggles in the red zone for the Bills. And I think Odell Beckham Jr. can be a great red zone threat. And if the Bills can get him, uh, I think he would definitely be uh, he would help Josh Allen in the red zone for sure. He is he is that guy. If you can make the contract work and you can make it be a, you know, this is my, if you can make it be like a rental type of contract, I know he wants a multi-year deal, Nick, and that might be a sticking point, but come on, how can you give him a multi-year deal before you see him play a snap, right? So uh, coming off an injury in the Super Bowl, like an ACL, I think if the Bills can get him though on a, on a reasonable, you know, one year kind of contract finish off the season and use him as a red zone target for uh, Josh Allen and, the, and, you know, going into the playoffs, I think it works. I think they should go get him. But what do you think about Beckham? And did this American Airlines incident change anything for you? Um, in terms of getting Beckham, I mean, it's 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 the low hanging fruit, and it's you know the the boring answer. But it comes down to so many different things, right? I mean, contractually, he seems to be looking for a multi year deal. The Bills did free up; they restructured Tre'Davious White's contract, yep. Um, yep. kind of uh, rinse and repeat with Brandon Bean. He just takes their. Uh, there's according to what I know, I don't, I'm not, I don't, what, what's the word that people use, Ryan? A uh, capologist, capologist yeah. self, self claim themselves a, to be, I'm not one of those that do that. And good for um, you because it's just a waste of time anyway, because you know, these things I just, can be I'll wait for, I'll wait for the, someone else to tell me what it, what it is. Yeah. You know, someone, yeah. some, Ian Rappaport will be told by someone what's right. And I'll just wait the extra three minutes for that. But anyways, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it just depends on what the bills can do. I think contractually, I think that's going to be a big deal. They cleared somewhere between two and a half million to 3 million on their salary cap to potentially make a move. And I just, I don't know what Beckham is going to, what he's going to get from what his offers are going to be from the giants and from the Cowboys and from the bills. Right. Like, like, is anyone really going to give him that multi-year deal? Cause correct me if I'm wrong. Is he, this is the ACL he's injured twice now. Right. I mean, who's going to get Sounds right. yeah. that guy a multi-year deal. He's a great player. Fantastic player. I'm not, you know, trying to disrespect him at all, but I mean, I think the smart play for any team, I think he's only going to get deals through the rest of this season. And these teams just want to see if he's going to hold up. And of course, playing into that, he's going to be working out for these teams too. You know, he's going to be, the bills don't have practice. And Josh Allen was asked what his recruiting efforts are going to be on Friday. Um, I would guess that he's probably going to be legitimately in orchard park, throwing passes to Odell in these workouts. Um, that he's going to do in front of like, you know, Bill scouts and medical staff. And he's going to, you know, get checked out there. And, you know, I'm sure he's not going to get right. Similar to kind of Von Miller, get him for the stretch run. Uh, I think he'll be out there, whoever he signs, you know, quicker than that, quicker than in four weeks. But, you know, there's so many factors at play here, right? Um, as much as Von, Mr. Positive messages said that he doesn't think that Odell is going to leave on Friday. I think he is going to leave on Friday, or at least he's going to have knowledge of the deal that the Cowboys, because he's supposed to, he reportedly visited with um, the Giants yesterday. Then he's with the Bills today on Friday, which good news to our knowledge, um, he completed those flights um, without problem. Good, uh, good. So, that's, you know, that's a positive. In the right direction, positive steps in that area. <laughs> but uh, unless somehow the Bills offer him, like, I don't, I just don't know how they would do it. I mean, because next year then, I believe it's next year is when Josh Allen's contract gets nice and juicy with his, you know, long-term extension kicking in. And uh, they still have to figure out, you know, I think Tremaine Edmonds and other players too. Devin Singletary is, is going to be a free agent. Um, yeah, just so many moving parts here. It's so tough. I think on the field, I think it'd be a great move. I think the depth that the bills have at wide receiver is not what we've seen in the past. Unfortunately, um, I think McKenzie has had a pretty good couple games too. I mean, nothing against him. You can get him. We, but we got, Isaiah McKenzie on the field with Cole Beasley in the past, you know, that doesn't mean the end for uh, Isaiah McKenzie if they sign Odell Beckham, but 
you know, they, they are bringing in, and no disrespect to John Brown, they're bringing in a 32-year-old John Brown who couldn't get signed anywhere else in the NFL because they have no other depth, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's There's a reason why he was available. <laughs> it's no disrespect to him, but yeah, uh, I think on the field, yes, I would say do it, it but, you know, that that knee, I mean, like I said, like I said when we were talking about Von Miller, man, I get out of bed, and I'm the same age almost as, as those guys. I get out of bed, my knee hurt. I think I bumped my knee last weekend, and it still hurts. It's Friday, so <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at, so yeah. Yeah, you just can't ignore that Odell Beckham Jr. is 30 years old and he's less than a year out from tearing his ACL. What was it, 10 months ago? 10 months ago? Yeah, so, yeah. and we just saw Tredavious White, too. I mean, yeah. he got eased, Took eased him a while. into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I think he'll only have a package of plays. Uh, and I think, it, you know, red zone weapon. Now, I think if you can do it and it makes sense and you can get him on a on a cheap deal and it's one year and it's, you don't have to commit to him long term, uh, I think it does make sense. I think the Bills could use OBJ. I, I actually like it. I think it's a good thing. Uh, and I agree with you on wide receiver depth and all that, Nick. But I think if it if Jerry Jones wants to get stupid, uh, uh, and maybe because he's feeling, uh, oh, man, I shouldn't have let Amari Cooper go in the offseason. I better pay somebody $20, 20 million a year <laughs> like I did for Cooper when I you know traded yeah. him for like a late draft pick to the Browns or whatever he did. You know, it's kind of funny. You trade Amari Cooper for a late draft pick. He's tearing it up with the Browns right now. And now you're like, oh, I need Odell Beckham Jr. It's like, uh, Jerry, you had Amari Cooper. Uh, so, yeah, if Jerry Jones wants to do something silly out there in Dallas, let him. Uh, I don't think we're, we'll lose sleep if he goes to the Giants or Cowboys. But if the, if the Bills can get him on something that makes sense, I think uh, I think it's a positive, good move for the Bills. And I think it could help him in the playoffs. And you could just put him out there in the red zone or in the plus side of the field. And and you got a good weapon, man. Odell Beckham Jr. can run routes and he can catch any, everything. Uh, so it's about as good as there is there. So I think, you know, fans should be checking Bills wire, right, Nick? You guys, it's OBJ watch for the rest of the weekend. Because there's no game. Yeah, yeah, no, it will. It will certainly be. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. We're going to be teasing that, and uh, you know, a lot of breakdown to come on this game. And uh, yeah, OBJ watch is in full effect now. As you know, as we're recording this in the early afternoon, he's got to be in Buffalo by now, right? It's I not that so. far from no, the from the all. airport to Orchard Park. Not at all. Got to be there. Not at all. As long as he didn't get escorted off the plane. Um, so yes, yeah, yes, yeah. That plane thing, I, I kind of cruised over that. I, I mean, that's like the bills are going to the bills get paid more money to answer those questions ask those questions of him right i mean he seemed to be uh po'd getting off the plane kind of like everyone else was at him <laughs> right yeah. so uh yeah it's uh it, it just seems like something that they're going to ask and if they're still having him in um i think that that's a pretty pretty good sign that you know Maybe they, uh, although just put on your seatbelt, man. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, the Bills shouldn't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it, whatever. The only reason you have a problem with it is if you were affected by that day. If you were on that plane and had the D board and had your travel screwed up again on the holidays, probably going to see your family. It's freaking egregious. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's the only people that should care. I don't think Brandon Bean or Bills fans or us or anybody should really care about that. But, yeah, that incident was like. A horrible look for Odo Beckham Jr. Just yeah, you saw him get off the plane. So I mean, he didn't look like intoxicated no, or no. anything like that. But like he looked fine. He put your seatbelt on, dude. You know, he's yeah. probably tired. And and I was I meant to say too. I man, my red eye to London. I I slept like crap earlier in September when I went there. So I'm, I get it, man. I can't sleep on. I, I don't know. I'm hit or miss. Did you put I'm the blanket? Did you put the blanket right on your head like Odell did? 
I I tried to go with the neck. <laughs> yeah. Pillow this time just did not work out for me. I'm going. I'm going. You know, I might just go. I might give a shout out to OBJ regardless of what happens. Just go with the go with the blanket on the head. You know, <laughs> give, it a, give it a whirl. I mean, he was he was in and out. I guess so. Yeah, maybe it yeah, works. Sure. I, 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 I wonder. If, I wonder if you could breathe under that thing. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So for so for Nick Walton, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us this week. We really appreciate it. It's fun to do a little post game version of the epi- uh, of the bo- of the podcast, Nick. Right, and uh, we'll be back next week after the mini buy to talk Bills Jets. Looking forward to that. We'll talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.